Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here with you, Rob. Paul, it's good to see you, uh, and uh, happy associate agreement season. Yeah, this right? is the season, like Tis tax season. the season, season to be jolly, yeah, right? Yeah, right, It's exactly. like tax season, right? Everybody... <laughs> is uh, scrambling to to hire uh, young associates and recent grads are looking for jobs so this is tis the season to answer questions about associate agreements uh, certainly in our office uh, we have numerous inquiries on a daily basis yeah. uh, and I'm sure Paul I got numerous inquiries to my phone and text and actually I can relate it to the first day of school in, in a in a nostalgic way because uh, I got a text this morning from someone it was a nice one said uh, I made it through my first day as an associate <laughs> uh, the owner wasn't there so it was great you know it's like we get some cookies at the end right I'm just got cookies anyway it's my no, everyday afternoon thing but you know it's kind of it funny was, it's <laughs> you know my, my daughter uh, when she first started sailing camp years ago when she was like I guess probably like eight years old, she came home and I said, you know, how was sailing? She said, uh, it was good. Two people fell overboard, but we didn't, we didn't lose anybody. <laughs> that's great. Like, well, that's yeah. good. Yes, we, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. happy here that you didn't lose anybody. And so for associates out there that you make it through day one, yeah. that's kind of like not losing anybody when they fall off yes, the boat, exactly. right? We're all, that that's the way it should be. Uh, but it's good to hear nonetheless, right? I think it must be, you know, uh, and I know we do a lot of things and I, I mean, I'm such a person who just, wants Dennis to work more together, work in groups, be in the same space together. And as somebody, you know, as we'll dig into, I was an associate, brand new associate in my dad's practice. I'll never forget that first day on a Saturday where I did hygiene. And, you know, my dad was great because he, you know, engaged me in my excitement. And there's just a great eagerness from that that brings actually great energy to the office. And mm-hmm. it probably brings great energy to the patients because, you know, when you're a medium age dentist, stands for mad, Rob, that's how I feel. Right. Uh, right. You know, you kind of like, and you know your business, you kind of like, oh, it's just another day here, right? Uh-huh. And then you bring in this eager person. And it's just, I just like to point out that that's just really a, a, a cool thing and a great thing and good for the office and good for the patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can be. I mean, it's like anything, you know, you it's what you make of it, right? Yeah, right. And, and I almost feel, well, almost, I feel like, as an older professional, you have that responsibility to, you know, make it exciting. And, and, and it holds you accountable for things that you should hold yourself accountable for anyway, much like when you have company over your house where you kind of uh, behave in a way that's the model behavior in a good way, right? You know, right. like you bring in an associate. So, yeah, I, I got to also be a good role model here with whether it's how I interact with the team or plan my cases. And it's just a good, it's a good accountability thing. Yeah. And it's also a perfect opportunity to just, you know, have your mindset open to, to change. There's a new person who's going to bring some new ideas, right. even though they don't have experience, they, they just got out of school. They are freshly minted, right. Yeah. With, with uh, hopefully, you know, clinically the, the skills. 
skills and whatever, you know, uh, is the current technology and, and, and current you know best practices. And you, you should really need to embrace that and realize that things are changing and, and people are changing. And it's a tremendous opportunity to continue to evolve yourself. You know, we've talked about this in different contexts, you know, truly as a as a as a mad dentist and yeah, then right. a, a sad dentist. Yes, that's next stage dentist. Uh, that, you know, you can be happier if you continue to evolve and continue to do new things and reinvent yourself and your practice. And if you want to do the same thing the same way for 40 years and oh, right, you know, yeah. have, have fun with that. And right? I, I'd like to share some insight from being around your office as the as the favorite client. I'm the only one who comes in, but that's OK. We, we won't. We won't uh, but I come into your office and see and what you guys do. You know, I, I one of my favorite books was uh, The Firm and Mitch McDear. He was the top. He was Tom Cruise in that. And I remember when he started at Justin's the, like Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah right? that's him. Yeah. That's him. And uh, <laughs> I remember when he started, he had to they dumped all these things on for research, right? It's like, you know, classic thing where he would look into things. And I actually encourage young associates to embrace stuff like that with whether it's new technology or some of the people who've been on our, on our podcast, you know, listen to a podcast from someone who's been here about, you know, uh, a local med, look into it for your owner and bring them this good idea. Right. It just helps everyone. And, then, and uh, you know, you're going to be a mad dentist on time. And the reason why you can't do that is, and use a Rob term, you don't have the bandwidth to process new things because you're too busy making sure the place survives. Right. And, it, you know, as if you're a young associate listening to that and you're on dental notches or you meet me or and I say, hey, look into this service and you say, I don't have my own practice. I say, even better, more reason to look into it. You can test it out in this practice, bring it to the owner and it'll be a, a good idea. And we have some awesome associates at, with uh, Jeff and uh, they bring us good ideas and look into stuff all the time. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And to that point, sort of digress a little bit or sort of get off track uh, on that. I think it's important, too, for young associates to be mindful and respectful of what that older dentist has to do. Yeah. You know, I was reading an article in the Harvard, Harvard Business Review um, not too long ago, and, and like the headline was like, how to manage your boss. Like, well, that's kind of a strange thing. Like, how, how does that work? Yeah. You know, and but it made sense. And obviously, I'm on the other end of that. And, yeah. and there are times where uh, I don't think that people realize everything that I need to do. Right. And, you know, you need to be sort of put yourself in your employer's shoes that, you know, if you see that uh, the the dentist that you're working for has, you know, a stacked schedule and it's a stressful day and, you know, there are difficult patients or difficult procedures, you don't pick that moment to go stop in and ask them <laughs> yes. something that's not time yes. sensitive, you yes. know? And uh, it's because it's just not it's not good for them. It's not good for your relationship. And and ultimately, you're not going to get quality mentorship, you know, very like, true. So be be aware of what's going on around you. You are not the only person in true. that office. You're not the only dentist. Well, I think it's a point, And that's why I encourage you to go into these, you know, see courses face to face and going to offices because you need to get a sense. So, you know, uh, when we only had one small human in living in our house and I would come home from the office Sometimes I might say, are we having dinner soon with genuine curiosity to marry? I mean, it was genuinely curious. Right. And she would not take it that way. Yeah. She said, can you believe what I had to do today? And I didn't know. Yeah. Now, with a second small human, I don't ask that question like that. Right. Good but, job, but, Paul. But, but, but it's, it's uh, to defend myself, I was really asking it with true authenticity. Uh -huh. And... She was just in a place of having being nuts with a new child. Sure. And we had to learn with each other. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, uh, that's part of the associate owner relationship. And I, what I would encourage our listeners to do, you know, I'm going to try to do this at my office uh, or Jeff is uh, 
you know, get your voice memo. No, don't violate HIPAA. Definitely not. Linda Harvey will, will be upset. But you have to get your voice memo on your phone and follow your, your owner around. Uh, maybe a day you're off and just record how many questions he, he or she gets asked. Right. And then just add it up at the end of the day and find out this is what it, actually I think this would be a great uh, study or story. Find out how many relate to patient care clinically and how many relate to running the business. And it's going to be 80 percent business. Yeah. 20 percent clinical care. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think when you're new and we might deal with your associates. They think it's the, you know. I don't know what you guys do, Rob, right? Torts and briefs. It's the writing of the torts and briefs, but it's the managing the client, talking about what it costs, sure. getting back to people. And that's that's the stuff that, you know, the NFL, um, I think, did a cool thing when they did all that um, sideline mic'd up stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to me to see the speed of what happens out there. Right. Oh, you're sitting at home right. seeing it. So I think it's a, it's a good point. You need to ride along with your with your boss or, or owner. owner. And, and, or your wife, who has yes, a new partner. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is well, met, metaphor we, for we, life. Yeah, metaphor, These you, are life lessons and, from Paul Gumman and Rob Hunker. I like that. It's, it's all about, to me, and I was saying this to the residents, it's about getting a sense, right? It's about uh-huh. getting a sense. Like they were talking and this kind of, this actually can kind of help with this uh, great top 10 agreement, uh-huh, as you put together, Rob. But like they were asking me last night, if a patient doesn't want to sign an informed consent for removal of a tooth, what do you do, right? If they don't want to sign and sign this informed consent or they don't want to sign the financial agreement, I say they're just waving at you and saying, I'm going to be a problem. And you're likely going to take their tooth out without a problem, but if you skip that portion, that you've managed the relationship badly, and it right. might be best to refer them out. Yeah. Because if you have, if you have, you know, dentists, where it's the way we're trained, Rob, it's like we're always looking for what goes wrong. I mean, this could be like with law, you deal with that too. Mm-hmm. But most goes right. But if someone comes in and says, "I don't want to sign your financial agreement. I don't, I don't agree with any of this stuff. I'm just going to pay you whenever I want to pay you," and you've right. had ten people <laughs> sign it. You just say to this person, this might not be the place for you in whatever language you want. And I think that's really hard to learn as a young associate because you want to please people. And I burned myself many times. Well, you know, as a young associate, too, you just don't have enough of a sample to realize that this is truly one out of 100 and because you've only seen three. So for right. you know, this is one out of three times this happens? Like, no, not necessarily. Right. This is this is yes, really an outlier. And so and, and then you see what, you know, the eventual, you know, byproduct of continuing to work with a person like that is. And and we do too, obviously. And you I mean, know what's have, interesting in the dental space, and it probably happens in yours too, those people, they're not evil or they're not, you know, terrible people. They just operate in a way that can be very frustrating and annoying. And sometimes if you don't identify that, then they're with you forever, right? Because yeah. then they don't leave. Right. So, so it's like, you're my dentist. What do you mean? You, you, so you, it's this management, it's this hurdle where it's like, we have a financial agreement at Pennington Dental. And it's one, you know, I developed it like 10 years ago. And it's just, a, you know, it's a kind of ages us or like a litmus test. We don't, I don't think anyone does the litmus test anymore. But like, you know, where you stick, it's like, if, if someone doesn't want to pick one of those three options and they want to pay you $20 a month for the rest of your life, they're going to say, it's never going to work out with that patient. Yeah. And I've, I've regretted that. That's why that's the purpose of this podcast in life is to share some things you would have done differently. Right. Yeah. Which is a, a good uh, segue to like, if people are listening and probably wondering what is this episode about, yeah. Where, yeah. where is this going? Right. So today we're going to talk about sort of things for associates to, to look out for and practices with associate agreements. Paul, as you mentioned, uh, I've got a, a top 10 associate agreement ahas that I did for uh, an event that you uh, you hosted uh, a while back. And uh, recently, you've been doing some cool stuff on the Dental Nachos Facebook group 
with you know sort of anonymous stories. Yeah. And if you could just like tell I, the listeners well, a little bit about what, what you're doing a, with that, because I think it's I'm, really cool. I was, grew up in the 1980s, and if you grew up in the 1980s and you went to school, you read some Judy Bloom books, and they some of them stayed around. And Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing was one of the classic ones, you know, of someone going through grade school. Really, it's a great, great. Uh, Great book. So I did tales. I'm doing tales of a dental student, nothing, or tales of an associate agreement, nothing. And just so our listeners understand, people, I most of the time encourage people to make their own posts, tag me, and I'll protect them. If you know, dentists start acting as the kids say, Rob Cray Cray, and they say, you know, poking at them, right? So I will encourage people to post their own stories. But some of these stories, like in your world, really need confidential or confidential in nature. Right. And I've been posting them for them and getting some feedback from the group. And we have one we can talk about with, you know, you and I talk about all the time with associate red flags, because what just like we talked about a few minutes ago, there's red flags or orange, orange flags up front that if you don't see them, you can get. We just talked about someone being exciting, excited on their first day of being an associate. But I've seen some people excited after first dates, not marrying those people, because sometimes people, you know, quote unquote, truer colors come out or mm-hmm. more often behavior. So uh, what you put together is great here. I'd like to start off by asking you, uh, if you don't mind, from your top 10 list. Uh, so I get a lot of questions, Rob. Tell me a little bit about um, the non-compete, right? So where, how is it measured? This is a common question I get and how, how people apply, looking for jobs and they, you know, this happens to me all the time, a, non, a non-compete of five miles, is that reasonable or non-reasonable? Just something like that to start us off. It all depends, right? right? Favorite answer. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, it depends on whether, uh, where the practice is located. I mean, typically what we're talking about is there's a reasonableness standard that's applied by courts in interpreting and deciding whether or not uh, one of these would be enforceable right. by virtue of, of, the, uh, of the radius and the distance. And so what's reasonable in New York City, uh, or should say what's reasonable in Montana may not be reasonable in New York City, for example. So, you know, in rural places, we've seen non-competes as much as like 70 miles. I did a a lunch and learn years ago at uh, a pedo residency program in in Philadelphia. And somebody came up at the end, you know, sheepishly said, like, do you think a 70 mile (laughs) non-compete's a problem? Like, whoa, you know, and he was like in Wyoming or Montana or something. And that was like two towns over, as it turned out. And I guess you could drive like 90 miles an hour there. So it wasn't that that big of a deal. Uh, But so. You really, in, but in more populated areas, you know, like New York City, a lot of times we'll see that non-competes are expressed in a number of blocks, you know, 20 or 30 blocks. Philadelphia, you know, we look at a grid from like river to river, Schuylkill gotcha. River to Delaware River. And, you know, it's like amounts to be about like, like a one square mile area, maybe a little bit more. So it, it really it really depends uh, on where you are. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, when you talk about enforceability of non-competes, what you're talking about is whether or not a judge in a trial will rule in your favor. And we're going to talk about this probably in a couple different contexts today. No young associate wants to get to that point. You so know? And it drives me nuts, Paul, when I see on, on Facebook groups, two things or, or blogs, two, two pet peeves of, for, for me. Uh, one is where people chime in and talk about whether or not it will be enforceable without seeing the agreement without knowing really even where the practice is, right? Yeah. And, and so they'll put, put in their two cents. And the next thing is, as I said, P- 
people saying, don't worry, it won't be enforceable because that is a very, very expensive piece of litigation, yeah. you know, and to say that it's not enforceable means you won the trial and to win the trial, you may have spent six figures in legal fees to quote unquote win. And it's just not good advice to say, and, and, don't and, worry about it. Well, a couple of things. It's such a good point. So I actually went, did a CPR certification recently. And the teacher of that was amazing because he actually was funny. It was, it was at 6 p.m. And he said, hey, guys, I'm like, it was great, great, great uh, speaker. He goes, I'm two, two time Johnny. And I'm like right off the bat. And I got your brain. You're like, what does that mean? He goes, anything I say two times is important. And uh-huh. uh, it was it was amazing technique because yeah. he basically was telling us what's going to be on the test because he knows he's got a bunch of adults at 630 at night after right. work. Right. And he wants to just maybe help someone know about CPR. And his goal is for you to stick this. So two time Johnny would say this. So I'm going to say twice from Rob's list, it doesn't matter matter whether or not a non-compete is uh, enforceable. It doesn't matter whether or not a, a non-compete is enforceable, because just like you shared, uh, to find that out is not a situation anybody wants to be in, and no one really wins in those scenarios. But let's talk, Rob, I'm the employer, and you guys have done a number of associate contracts for me, and this is part of my concept for this content here. It's also to teach some of our people who might be hiring an associate. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about. So if I went to you and said, hey, Rob, I'm open up Paul's House of uh, Dentistry and Nachos. You're like, great name. I think it's awesome. And uh, I want to hire an associate right here in Center City, Philadelphia. And I've been on Facebook groups, Rob, and I want to have a five-mile restrictive covenant. I want five miles. How do you help manage my expectations as someone who's working? working you know, I'm, I'm hiring you. A lot of different ways to look yeah. at that. Okay, so first off, five miles, that's that's definitely aggressive mm-hmm. in, in, in Center City, Philadelphia, where, you know, you might be talking about a mile, even two being being a lot. Yeah. Uh, more protection than you probably need. Uh, but it really, there's a few things that are going coming into play here. Even if you said, hey, I want to have this five-mile non-compete, I might say, well, you know what, Paul? That might be a little aggressive. You may scare some people right. away. However, I've seen enough times that people will sign just about anything, sometimes right. young associates, that you put in front of them. And I think some people make it to us, and they're the people that you know realize that this is important. Right. But uh, way more people just sign these things without, without even uh, looking. And that's not a good idea. But what I would say, Paul, is, yeah, it's probably not going to be uh, – it's on the aggressive side. It may not be enforceable. However, you know, in order for it to be uh, deemed found to be unenforceable, that means the associate's going to have to spend one hundred thousand right. dollars to go through the litigation. And here's the kicker: if they uh, have a, a non-compete, even if it's quote unquote unreasonable or quote unquote unenforceable, if they go to a bank to get a loan to buy a practice or do a startup. They walk into Bank of America. I guess nobody walks into Bank yeah, of America yeah, right, and says yeah. a loan, but let's just pretend. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the old days. The old days, yeah, I'm here for my Guy loan. Guy goes in yeah, with a straw hat and he takes his hat <laughs> off and yeah, it's, yeah. they hand him a glass of lemonade and <laughs> yeah, say, what can I do for you, yeah. Dr. Goodman? I want to start my dental well, practice. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd like to get a loan. <laughs> well, come right over here, you know? <laughs> yeah. So but so they walk in to Bank of America and they say, well, you know, I want to have this, uh, I want to get this loan. They say, okay, well, do you have a non-compete? And they hand them a copy of their employment agreement that has this, quote unquote, unenforceable radius of a non-compete. The bank's not going to give them the money. And it's not just Bank of America. It's any bank, you know, because even though it's everybody thinks they know that it's not going to be enforced, uh, the bank's not going to risk it until you have a court order saying that it's not. And it's an expensive, long and expensive process to get to that. So uh, from an employer standpoint, 
the person that's going to hurt you presumably is the one that's going to do something entrepreneurial. Right. You know, does that mean that could you enforce it if they went and worked as an associate someplace, you know, down the road? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you would want to, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you didn't care. But the, the associate that you're worried about is the entrepreneurial one who's going to do a startup or an acquisition. And if, even though you've been aggressive on the, on the radius, you've now stymied their ability to, yeah, to do that. I think there's a couple things I want to point out, and I, I like, you know, when you're, the Facebook dental groups are great, but like we've talked about before, you have to take it with a salt around a giant margarita, but, you know, grain of salt, a giant margarita. <laughs> but here's what I would say, and this is just what I encourage dentists on both sides to say. When you go to a Rob Montgomery, who's an expert in law, or you go to Paul Goodman, who's an expert in eating out at Mexican restaurants, if someone came to me and said, I'm here in Philadelphia, you're the nacho guy, it's Friday at 8 p.m., and we really want to eat at Elvez, and we're going to go with our family of four to Elvez without a reservation, and we're really going to go to Elvez right now, because we want to eat at the nacho place, nacho guy, and we want to be there, and I'm hearing this, and the entire time in my brain, I'm like, it's a terrible idea, because it's going to be a two and a half hour wait, they don't have a reservation, so that person who's asking, the expert, should just add this to any, any sort of thing they say, does that sound like a good idea? Hey, Rob, I'm going to do it. I have a practice in Pennington, New Jersey. It's my first associate. I've seen on the Facebook groups that 10-mile restrictive covenants are normal. Does that sound like a good idea? Because then it opens your brain up to your expert giving you some feedback. Sure. And I think, you know, I've listened over a decade of friendship and advice, Rob. I've listened to a lot of Rob Montgomeryisms, And one of my favorites is people who start off unreasonable usually don't get more reasonable. <laughs> and it's such great advice. And it helped me in my dental uh-huh. career. So It's another young, life metaphor, too, so right? Young associate who might see an aggressive restrictive covenant, or I'll put it on the associate, employer who has an associate who says they don't want any restrictive covenant, both of those people are just raising their hand saying, I'm not super reasonable right now. Right. And am I gonna get more reasonable? Probably not. So when some young associate says, I don't want a restrictive covenant at all, I should just be able to do whatever I want, I already know that this person's in a certain place because I deal with young dentists all the time, and most of them know restrictive covenant's a thing. Yeah. And then if there's this small subset who demand not to have one, they're special. Right. And same thing with the owner. So I think that's just an important point. Well, you know, and, and this is a good point of the conversation to talk about, you know, what can agreements really do and what can't they right. do? Yeah, like so if you have an agreement that says that the associate can't do certain things with a non-compete or really any provision, you know, if you have somebody who's not being reasonable or whose expectations are not aligned with yours, the agreement is not going to fix that, yeah. right? The, the, you know, the agreement is ultimately the, provides the enforcement mechanism. It's the ticket to the lawsuit, right? That if somebody doesn't do something, you can sue them, right? Nobody should ever sign an agreement with the game plan being like, we're going to sign this agreement and go to litigation. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I shouldn't yeah. say it. Maybe there's some situation yeah. I'm just not thinking about right yeah. now. But you know, we spend a lot of time in our practice trying to think of ways to avoid litigation. like Because we see what it is. We see how the expense of it. We see the personal toll. So if... You know, people will tell me sometimes that, yeah, well, you know, I don't really get along with this person so well, but you'll do a really good par- partnership agreement, Rob, and fix that. No, right. no, this, this right. is not yeah. like some magic yeah, yeah, thing right. that, you know, yeah. like of the bad relationship. It was a bad relationship and it really had no business working. These people shouldn't work together or shouldn't work for the other. Uh, but but once Rob Montgomery did that um, that agreement, <laughs> yeah. well, gee, it just fixed it. I right? mean, you, you, I mean guys, just, you guys are the caddy of good sense. I mean, that's what you guys do. I mean, you're, you're what I I'd like to point out, and even us working together so closely, you know, you're on the outside of these people's lives, and you're their you're their caddy, and they got to hit the shot, right? I mean, 
and and you're telling them, hey, you could hit your golf ball in the water if you try to do this, or you, this is a safe play. But I think sometimes people unknowingly with kind of a, maybe you should feel um, a sense of pride. People think you have so much power, Rob, but it's yeah. like they think you could just make people do things. That, yeah. you know, these are real live people. Uh-huh. You're just setting up, I put it, you're setting up shared understanding, which is just like our informed consent. Uh-huh. So going back to where it didn't seem like it fit with her talking, I say to somebody, here's our financial agreement or here's your consent for getting your tooth out. And that's shared understanding. And it's not so that I'm preventing them from suing me or they're trying to sue me. It's so at that point, we have shared understanding. Mm-hmm. And when people say, I don't want this at this point. It's a bad start. And you can't go back and hold some piece of paper up and say, yeah, but you signed the consent form. That never helps. Right. You know, or you signed the financial agreement. I mean, it's just shared understanding. Right. And, and well, those those documents just become exhibit one, you right, know, yeah. and, and, and in the trial. And then and, and that's not and, not a good place to be. But that's where that's, you know, that gets us gets us to another point. We're really kind of going off topic. No, we're not going off topic. We're diverging topic. off yeah, of the topic. Yeah, yeah. This is the topic. There is no topic. Right? Uh, that it's important to really just have common sense and when you see red flags you know run away you know and uh or i should say maybe don't run away when you see one red flag but be careful and if you see too many red flags then you run away and you know it's just like anything whether you're talking about a practice transition uh an employment relationship anything there's so many people that we see that just overcommit to a deal or to a situation and they put these blinders on and it's like there's just like it's almost like the Hollywood, you know, movie movie cue the like the inferno on either side. Like everything's up in yeah, flames yeah. and they're like they're just looking straight forward. I'm like, well, this seems okay. No, no, this is not okay. It's it's such a good point. I'm gonna talk with Mark Casas later tonight, and he's him and I, when he was here for the Dennis Team Boost, had lunch and you know, I the, I start off my lecture with the residents last night, and the most important thing I can tell you guys is be willing to think in a different way. And what that means is, and you know, from us working together, I've explored practice transitions where I've invested time and money and energy mm-hmm. and hours, and I know the entire time that it might not come to fruition, and I'm okay with it. And I yeah. just I don't waste. Mm-hmm. And, th- and if you want to be in this dental space, that's how you have to be because everyone. If you, I mean. Uh, if you talk to a dentist who's playing football and say, uh, am I going to lead the game the whole time? And in the third quarter, if I'm going to be down, I don't want to play. I'm like, you don't know until you get to the third quarter. Yeah. And, you know, I just mm-hmm. use him as another multi-practice owner. And, and that overcommit is such an important part because this happens from square one. And some of it's our just toxic training, Rob. This happens when an associate brings me an idea for a job. And I can tell already they don't want me to tell them anything bad about this job. Yeah. And I and I I will tell them, but it's just better to have some mental flexibility and saying, does this sound like a good idea? Does this make sense? And sometimes say, yeah, it makes perfect sense. They want you to work two Saturdays a month and they work the other two Saturdays. Perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So your choice right now, associate, is to work with this this owner who works two Saturdays a month and wrap your mind around two Saturdays or just not work at this place. But trying to get them to you know, change their Saturday policy, that's not going to work. Right. If they said, I don't know, um, I get paid 20% of collections and no minimum, I'll say that doesn't make sense. Right. You know, so it's it's a um, it's a key point with the overcommitment. Well, and, and, and that that's also raises another interesting point, which is, you know, what things as an associate can you really expect to change in an agreement? Right. You know, and our, our philosophy generally is like, you know, 
let's find some things that are important, focus on a few key points from an associate agreement review if we're on the associate side, and we're not going to rewrite the practices agreement, even if sometimes, and let me say, Paul, we see some real pieces of dung, man, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's crazy, you know, uh, we're, we're fortunate that, uh, you know, we have exposure to such a wide range of quality of employment <laughs> yeah, agreements, there's yeah, some yeah. stuff that, that totally deserves <laughs> to be rewritten. Um, but, you know, even in those situations, like, you have to be mindful of what you're actually asking to change, you right. know, and and where we're when we're on the employer side, even though our agreement is a complete masterpiece. Yeah, right? Right. Yes. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. we'll see something come back and there's another lawyer that just, you know, the, for the associate has totally redlined everything, you know, changed, you know, the defined term, added different provisions, put an arbitration provision where there wasn't one. And it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, and, and, and we see this in the legal profession. And I'm sure people that are meds and sads yeah. out there that have worked with lawyers and gone through deals have seen this over the years. And it's kind of like what gives some lawyers, uh, you know, well, some lawyers do and gives all lawyers a, a bad reputation is just changing things for the sake of changing oh, yeah. things. And it's like, did that change really need to be made? You know, and if the answer as a, as a young associate is no, then like you shouldn't be asking the employer to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, you know, you've heard me say it's such a great uh, TSD. That's so dentist. And I'll, I'll, uh, like maybe I make TSB. That's so a uh, barrister. Is that what you guys are doing? Because I have to say, remember, you know, Stephen A. Smith has this thing. Come on, man. I think it's him. Uh -huh. And it, part of me, it's like when I see this with attorneys and even though I'm an attorney, it's like, it's like, I feel like you guys should be each other. Like, come on, man. Like, like, like if I had a, gave a treatment plan for Rob with three crowns and two root canals and one implant and someone gave something that was ridiculous, yeah. I'd be like, come on, dentist, man. Like, yeah. you, you, you went to school too. Like, it's just like, you're making it too crazy. Right? Yeah. Like, like, it's insulting. I feel like they're insulting themselves as they're trying to insult you. It's like they're insulting the whole thing you've went through. Right. Where like a, a, a licensed attorney has come up with this thing and mm -hmm. the other licensed attorney basically said it was made by Daphne, right? Yeah, and it's just, yeah. And, that, and yes, I mean, if that helps, I don't know how many attorneys listen to this podcast uh, besides your associates, Rob, <laughs> but if that helps, like, Probably not. That, that's really like a bad look in front of the yeah. dentist client yeah. for everybody, right? Yeah. Like, even if your attorney's great, like a Rob or a Justin or Anna, it just, it just, it's a bad feeling for the space, right? You yeah, know, it's, it's like, bad. You know, well, it's just like you have to control, you know, your your representatives. And that's you know? what you say. Yeah, but you go say who hires, who you hire represent. You said this to me, and it's say who you hire is a representative of you, whether it's a practice broker, totally. an accountant, and you know, totally. Yeah, right, right. You know, you have to keep them in check. I mean, you have to defer, and there's that fine line between being deferential to the things that you don't know as much or don't have the same expertise, but. You know, some common sense, you know, did, did we really need to change, you know, make 20 changes to the document to, to change, you know, the something that was singular to something that's plural now, you know, and like yeah. electronically, a lot of times those changes can be made quickly and efficiently, but it's just, <coughs> it's just bad, it's just bad spirit, man. It, it's just bad for the mojo I, of the whole thing. And but, but people will come to us though, and, and the, we'll get that. And it's like, I'll look at that. I'm like, this person, this poor associate has just paid somebody a lot of money to basically just like take this job away from them. You know, like <laughs> you're, you're, you're not yeah. going to get the job. You, you, like, they're doing it for themselves. That's why I, that's what always bothers me. Yeah. I'll use an example. Our dentist turn, dentist can understand now. So when you get a crown, it can be made out of porcelain and metal or Zirconia. Right now, zirconia is the most popular. So it's like you could get uh, like a, a blue shirt from Lacoste or a red shirt from The Gap, right? If we were talking about it, I don't think you would get overly dramatic about the red shirt from The Gap or the blue shirt from Lacoste. You might say, oh, yeah, this is more popular. 
some of the attorneys, I can tell, like they over dramatize a point that us as the lay person can't understand. But like if as a dentist, we don't understand like, you know, if your dentist came and said, I like your treatment plan, but I would do a zirconia crown. I'd be like, okay, fine. You know, but if he started yelling, how dare you recommend zirconia when I do porcelain fused in metal, it's, it's, it's too much drama over a point that will mm-hmm. make the agreement or the case go well. And that's what I try to learn from you because that's how like, you can use that in your dentist speak if you want. Because you say, oh, this is like a zirconia versus PFM crown. They'll get that in two seconds. Right. say, oh, they both work. One's old school, one's new school. But sometimes the attorneys will put a lot of energy around it. And you're like, maybe this is a giant deal, right? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I think um, that's an important point. Now, let me ask you another one, Rob, here. Uh, the This is one that I like to, you know, the indemnification of the practice uh, by the employer, the requirement to the name of the practice is additional and short. I actually get this a lot to me. I punt yeah. it over to you. Tell me a little bit about that, about that one. So uh, I should just back up for a second. The sure. list that we're looking at, this top 10, I think we'll, we'll get this in, in the show, show notes. notes. Yeah, like, perfect. And can we put the uh, the seminar that we did uh, yeah, yeah. to that? Have, so we have we'll, a link to that. We'll perfect. put that. Yeah. So you, and then you'll see the, the slides, uh, listeners, uh, uh, that Paul's referring to and uh, hear the whole spiel of Paul and I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing perfect. our doing our thing on a Thursday night, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you talk about indemnification of the practice, what that means normally is when you see it is that you are essentially as the associate being asked to insure the practice for any problems, anything that comes up. So you're going to indemnify them, just like your auto insurance indemnifies you if you're in an accident. Your malpractice insurance indemnifies you if there's a malpractice claim against you. So if you get into a situation where you're indemnifying or required to indemnify the practice, you have to be careful as an associate because you need to know that your insurance is actually going to cover that indemnification obligation. Otherwise, you are responsible for covering the practice's losses. And in some cases, that could negate the the practice's malpractice insurance. And you they might be looking to you to basically be the insurer. And then from the practice's standpoint, relying on an indemnification of an associate and not having your own insurance is not a good idea right. either because I'd rather have my, ins- uh, you know, a, a A-rated insurance company covering my claim than a uh, 28-year-old who's been practicing dentistry for six months. So I will, I, I appreciate you telling us that. I need a six-year-old to fight a little bit. And to tell you a story, uh, Daphne, four and a half year olds, went to Vivian's house for a week, four and a half years old. And my sister, this is a good parent tip, she said, it is way too quiet in that room. And she's like, I'm going to go in there. And luckily she did that it was a mom sense uh-huh. and they were cutting each other's hair okay so um uh jill got there jill jill's a great mom no, no jill's philosophy always could be worse right yeah. so uh i'm going to use that example so they had a crazy plan but i still want to know even if you're telling me in lawyer speak this is a crazy plan just walk me through because i have malpractice insurance associates have malpractice insurance what is the goal of the practice even asking the person who's like is this for mal- malpractice care related things is this for Billing problems? Is it for all of it? I mean, I'm, I'm just really curious. It all depends, yeah. you know, what the agreement says. I mean, what we're talking about here are really indemnification for malpractice claims. Gotcha. That that's the big one, you know, uh, because there is an insurance product for that, and and failing to rely on that insurance product or, or failing to manage that right can be problematic. And I know for, that's for both sides. It's not in your exact lane or my exact lane, but I'm just curious: will the insurance companies? seems like they would reject that request anyway. A lot they? of them do. Yeah. You know, like uh, some just out of hand will not 
provide additional insured uh, coverage for somebody that's in an employer-employee relationship. Some of them will, and it's like additional money. You gotcha. say you have to pay a premium. You know, have to pay 25% more or something like that. Sometimes when people do the the nonsensical independent contractor you right, know yeah. uh, gig, which you know my thoughts yeah. on that, uh, don't recommend it. Uh, then that situation sometimes insurance companies will issue uh, the uh, additional insured coverage. So it's really something that you have to be careful so about part of your- with any agreement, Paul. Whenever you see the word indemnification, that should be there's. I guess it's not a red flag. There's a a question should pop up. You know, like what am yes. I agreeing to do here? You know, like that's a that's a, a serious commitment yeah. <laughs> that kind of comes along with that, and a serious obligation, and could be significant liability. So you have to know what what that means to you, and you know, effectively, if if things were to play out. You know, would you have financial loss? Is it something that's insurable? You have to understand what you're on the hook for. And, that. and that's a that's a classic thing that you tennis play tennis with with the other attorney when you're looking at an employment contract. And that's that's a perfect example of it for two time two two time uh, Nacho here. Awareness is important. Mm-hmm. Awareness is important. Mm-hmm. And that just falls under your your. Uh, comment there um to go to the what we're doing on dental nachos with the uh, tales of a social agreement nothing one thing i always like to share is which is going to happen more and more because we have uh which is great we have so many female dentists is the new mom scenario where they go back to work um and they have to pump during work right and this uh dentist here was not given a place or time to do that and this is i think we're going to do a good service to our listeners because this is a question that everybody has and, and i believe rob wants to get right uh, but they're just not sure. And we'll walk through this a little bit because I've been this, okay, okay, Rob, I have an associate coming back. Uh, she's gonna uh, pump, she just had a baby, she's gonna pump and she told me that she needs uh, two 20 minute breaks a day and we work from nine to five. How do I handle this or help me understand what, the, what a common sense in the law is? Okay, so this is one. Even though we have the disclaimer at the at the oh, beginning okay, of the sure, show, yeah. you know, we're we're, not, we're drilling down on some on some legal yeah. stuff here. Yeah. So this is not. This is a, an additional express disclaimer. We're not going to give legal advice here, uh, but we'll talk generally about about what the law. What, what the law there, and there are laws. There are federal laws. There are state laws. There are city laws. This is the classic. Uh, example of something that if you have this issue or these concerns on either side, you should consult with uh, with an attorney about yeah. the specifics of your situation in the jurisdiction where, you know, right. that, that applies in the law that applies to that jurisdiction. So there are a lot of different sort of issues and a lot of different laws. But the, the federal law, there's uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act. Uh, requires uh, employers to provide a reasonable break time for an employee to express breast milk for her nursing child for one year after the child's birth each time such employee has need to express the milk. And uh, with that, they're required to provide a place other than a bathroom that is shielded from view and free from intrusion from coworkers and the public which may be used by an employee to express breast milk. And that that's the, you know, the law as of today, all this stuff changes too. If right. somebody's listening to this podcast, you know, two years from now, who knows, it could be, it could be different, but uh, that's the law. So, you know, and there are, we've had questions where somebody says, well, if you have less than 50 employees, do we really have to follow this? You know, can we show that we maybe have a hardship? Then you start to get into this other gray area, which, 
you know, is just uh, a dangerous place to ever be, you know, so yeah. sort of like the law, you know, and how you would defend yourself. And then there's just like best practices right. to avoid problems and lawsuits, which is a much better way yes. to look at this stuff. So the law may set forth bare minimums and you can try to sort of fudge and try to skirt the law in certain cases. But if you try that, I don't recommend it. Uh, you can find yourself having to defend an, an action. And even if you, quote unquote, are right, you know, it's it's an expensive process and, and not good for morale, not good for totally. relationships in the office. I mean, I can now for me to just share real life stuff with this a couple things. I mean, one, uh, a happy team member is good for everybody or, you know, this is a big, big thing that they're going through. And, and these are part of your team that you're working with all the time. They're, remember, everyone, if you're doing this and most time they're re- returning from work you know, returning from working with you prior to the trial, this is usually what happens, right? right. Usually, some, I know there's also laws around this, but usually people are working somewhere for a period of time, have a child like an us, like a hygienist, and then come back to work. So we're, we're excited to have them back. But I will admit that it's tough to figure out with an office schedule. So some of my advice is if this is happening to you on employer side or employee side, at least start to make a game plan for it because you're going to need a game plan for it because there's definitely the law and there's also what how it fits into your day right um we did we've done the thing where we have a room we have a sign um we create a space in our uh, dentrix dust is like our calendar calendly so it's like we create a space in that and mm-hmm. you're gonna have to do this well ahead of time because um this is actually what's interesting robin you know uh, it's a couple of my favorite movies are uh, fight club uh was one of them and uh how about this? And we've had some great people on the podcast uh, and she's having a child. What if you're the owner of the practice coming back to pump, right? right. So now you're both people, right? right. So, so you're not going to sue yourself, right. but you have to solve the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sharing with you, like, this is more of solving the problem of this person is going to need, the new mom's going to need probably two period, two segments of time throughout a day that fits into the office schedule to do this. And you have to plan around it with the understanding that it can't be the bathroom and you do need to create a space for it. But this is a, a really important point because some associates have been in scenarios where they don't get this and it's just a miserable scenario because yeah. sometimes the owner is even on site in those places and there's really nobody to quote unquote complain to. Right. Uh, and the other thing I would point out is it's in everyone's best interest for the schedule. Uh, you have not had the pleasure of coming to our dental office, Rob. Not, you don't have to be a patient. You just come and enjoy the scenery. It's great. It's, it's an insane place. It's like a circus where the an- I've animals... Seen the, I've seen you, the pictures. Yeah, the, though, the huh? animals don't try to eat. You just annoy you to death the whole time. Um, but... Uh, it's just a lot of stuff going on and, and it, yeah. anything that happens with that schedule is uh, going to impact everybody. So, you know, if you're about to go out on a maternity leave, uh, you'd be telling people before you go out. Right. Because in this world with hygiene visits being six months in advance, you know, four months, three or four months is no time. So I think it's a, a, a point that's often overlooked because if you think about it, most of these owners are male. And the time of dental school, my dad's mm-hmm. age and I was just 90 percent male and now we have which is great 50 50 female right and i i actually i was on a um a uh facebook live recently and this is a, a two-fold problem i mean we're talking about the the pumping breaks is 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 nothing compared to what do you do with that job when the person's out on maternity leave right you know how do you get coverage when it's the dentist right as owner so i think this is a important important point and that's just a if you were advising an associate or employer on this, uh, or now we can't give legal advice, but just to uh, use what you said, best practices or common sense. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you don't, you know, it, it kind of, it's like the non-compete discussion, you know, to, to say what, what you can have a defense to a lawsuit if you do certain things. Like, 
you know, you want to try to avoid that. You know, it's sort of like, you know, we tell people, you know, to avoid the appearance of impropriety, right. you know, when they're when we're talking about non-solicitation and things like that, because you just don't want to get into this situation where you have an expensive piece of litigation. And right. It's the same thing with with this stuff. You know, it's these are you know, there are things that you can kind of come up with and trump up to, to, to try to defend a lawsuit if it happens. But you really want to just try to avoid that whole thing in right. the first place. Yes. It's just not good for, for anyone. And I think, you know, from an associate standpoint, you know, and it's hard to really gauge that this is happening, but, you know, do you want to work someplace where somebody is, is trying to, to skirt the law in this regard? They're right. not taking care of people. And I think the, uh, the, the Facebook post that, you know, it was sort of the most recent one that, yeah. that we're talking about here is a situation where a young dentist is working in a practice with an absentee owner, right. you know, some like non-dental, non-dentist, not unlicensed owners are involved, yeah. you know, and that's, uh, you know, it's not a good situation, you know, and, and, and I don't know enough about that situation either. And, you know, just see what, you know, what, what you posted, but, you know, w there may have been other red flags that yeah. this person should have seen uh, before oh, they, they took the they job. They admitted that, you know, that, that's, that's it's just, what I've said a lot. And this is, you know, as the season, and I, I want to get to one, I guess one more important point, but it's a lot like dating, but you know, uh, we are not uh, young and hip anymore, Rob. We're medium age, but like there's hey, speak for yourself. Yeah, dude. yeah. If you, I mean, if, I'm not dating, but if, I'm certainly young. And this, I'm not young. I, I'm hip. Right? This, this falls. This you can't. And this is one of my two time nacho things. You can't ghost a job. You can't ghost a job because if you go on a date with someone in 2019 or two dates and you decide this isn't the person from you for you, some people just ghost them and never contact them again, and then that people just go on their merry way and they so start. But you're hip, saying yeah, the whole ghost. I know thing, the ghost. You're, yeah, you're cool. Man. Uh, uh, is it? Uh, but then they just go on the merry way and they're having fancy cocktails with someone else. No, yeah. one, no, no one matters. But right. if you're in a job, you can't do this. So yeah. you can't get another job that easily. So it's so important to just really dig into this up front mm -hmm. because when associates say, if I don't like this job, I'll get another job. I go, what if you can't get any? Like, what if yeah. the season passed and, and everyone has jobs? What right. If, what, so, so that's why it's just so critical. And the well, other. Well, kind of imagine getting married. Like, yeah, yeah. I, and this is a rotten relationship, but I'll get married. And if, if it's not good, I'll just, I'll just get divorced. You, like, no. Well, you walk me into this thing perfect. Mary and I watch a show. It's pretty ridiculous, but it's funny because the two actors are comedians splitting up together. And the whole concept is this they, they want to get divorced but they can't afford to move out of the house. So they gotta live in the house together. Yeah. And one lives in the garage, right. but this is dentistry. Right. Whenever these things are happening where somebody wants to, you know, say something about a restrictive covenant or how they're getting paid, you know, are they still working there even, right? So if they are, that's really creating a, a lot of animosity sure. in the office, yeah. which is what you don't want for people seeing patients. Yeah. So it's like this splitting up together TV show. It's like that happens in, I'm sure you see this with partnerships frequently. It's like oh, yeah. they want to they want to end the partnership, but they can't. Right. So that's why you got to go in uh, um, with total awareness. What I want to ask you, Rob, about the minimum here. So this is, I think, would be our best help to the community. And uh, daily minimums. So you see all these agreements. Yeah. How often are you seeing? So I, I'll share it with me first. We have a daily safety net guarantee uh -huh. of five hundred dollars a day because I believe that these people are working for me. It's like think of it as a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you have the opportunity to make more. Right? You're not gonna make less. You maybe you make thirty thousand extra, make fifty thousand extra. I hope you make a lot extra. It's good for both of us if they make extra. But I know when I look at an associate with debt and um, debt, and they want to live their life, I don't want them to feel unsure about their pay. But then I know there's another camp where it says you know you 
get what you collect and that's it. And if you get to 100 right. bucks, you get 1000 bucks. What are you seeing from both sides with the daily minimum and can you get that into contracts or just share with us on that end? Yeah, I mean that's we unfortunately probably see a daily minimum is, is in the minority of the times. Okay. And then also we have to talk about whether it's a daily minimum or it's a draw, right? right? A draw can be you know, set off against uh, future earnings so that if you have to tap into that draw today, you know, three months from now when you're making more money, the employer gets to recover that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've uh, really, I think, spoken eloquently about, as you just did, you know, why it's a good thing. Right. Uh, and but, it, you know, again, it depends on the on the situation. I think, you know, from an attorney standpoint, we don't get involved on the associate side of of that discussion you know we leave that to the associate to to have a discussion about about the business points commonly because otherwise you know if we get too involved with those discussions and you know that the legal fees get you know out of control so you know we like to see our clients uh really kind of cover the business issues to the extent possible before uh, we start reviewing the actual agreement, yeah. and so, but it, it's not unreasonable to to ask the, the practice for that commitment, and then see what the practice says, and, and 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 if they if they don't have enough confidence, the practice in the amount of work that they have in this situation to commit to five hundred dollars a day, then that I'm not gonna say it's a red flag. It's definitely a, an orangish. But see, flag. I, I think Robin, we're sitting here now. We can put on our, our business owner for doors. I brought mine. Um, uh, <laughs> you don't understand this as a owner of a law practice that's hired multiple associates because it doesn't exist. So I think we just need new new verbiage starting now, and I've introduced it. The old school associate style was when there was more jobs, enough work, and owners that wanted to dial back. And it was not a problem. They would be handing work, getting work, they have extra patients. Associate dentists now, I have, a, I have hygienist, I have front desk, I have assistants, all of them are paid hourly. And if a hygienist patient doesn't show up, they still get paid, right? Because mm-hmm. I've committed $40 an hour times eight hours. I mean, I would never think, oh, I wanna pay you 270 instead of 320 because that's set over there. But then this associate dentist thing needs to be redefined. And I believe it needs to be redefined as this position. And, and dentists get some of these, and you, you work with people, my first associate, right? They're, they're hiring their first associate ever. Right. They say, is this person going to buy in? How about you just get through the first year, right? right. But, and you know, think of a 12-month period. Think of it like an investment in anything, your office, CBCT, um, CBCT, SARAC, anything like that, and say, I'm going to commit $100,000 to this endeavor. This is what I'm going to do, just like you do in law. And at the end of 12 months, we're going to see how it goes. And I think it should be spoken of as dollar plus bonus. That's what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. We say like $100,000 plus twice a year, there'll be either a bonus or nothing. Mm-hmm. And it would just reframe the whole thing. It would take pressure off the associate. It would take pressure off the owner. To, to be honest, I mean, I live this world and I've created a pretty good system for us. But with other uh, associates, they get are scared. You know, one one week is bad, right. but the owner's probably like, "I've been doing this for a long time. It's not even bad. Why do you make people like cra- Why do you make your own people nuts like that?" So, yeah. you know, I hope we redefine it. I hope you start seeing more oper- agreements where it's just like, "I want to commit this amount to a person." just like a hygienist and there'll be bonus money involved right and then if the associate heard bonus money at least the word is bonus right and uh 
I just think the system that we use to pay associates now is too antiquated for what's happening in modern day dentistry. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, and it's, you know, we see this too. Like I don't want a young associate in my office who doesn't really have the experience yet to go out and bill, you know, tons and tons of hours when they're like just running the wrong direction. I want them to kind of do what they can handle yeah. in a way that's manageable. And it's the same thing with, uh, with, uh, you know, a, a young associate dentist, I'd imagine, you know, you, there needs to be some sort of period of time where like they learn, they, and they're, they're mentored and, you know, they, they kind of get their, their feet on the ground and you don't necessarily want to encourage them on day one to start cranking it out. <laughs> you know, like you need to crank it <laughs> out, but I barely know what I'm doing. Doctor. I'm just, too bad. <laughs> and crank it out. Uh, I just know? thought of something interesting about maybe we could start to do this because you were such an expert in wine and you do wine pairings. I was just going to say this podcast pairs well with our case acceptance podcast because what I'll share is these associates don't have relationships with patients and you just have nostalgia seasoned dentist or mad dentist. You were the same way as them. They did patients didn't know you mm-hmm. and nobody sits across from a new person and says, yeah, I want to do $2,000 worth of right. work. So the, no matter how good they are or how fast they are at what they do or how good they were in school or residency program, they're coming into a new space and it takes a minimum six months to even start developing patient relationships and then sometimes a year or more. So for you to kind of put it on, well, you have to kill what you eat or figure out what to do. It's just totally unfair. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's then you should, I mean, I say to, I do this with my coaching all the time. People, and I, it's good. They, I'm like, you're not ready for an associate. And they kind of say, thanks for telling me. Yeah. Cause they only want the good parts of it. Right. You know? So it's like, it's, it's a conversation. I think so important to this because it's bringing the bads, baby age dentists, the mads and the sads together. And both of us live in this world every day. Yeah. You know, talk with these people. Yeah. And, and like a bad, a bad relationship is not good for anybody, you right. know? And, and even if you quote unquote are right, you know, the quote unquote right one, yeah, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make the situation better. You it, know? It, it just it, makes you right. And that's, that's not, not a good place. I, I've been be. in those arguments in my family. Didn't feel so good at the end. Right. So it's like with Mary. So <laughs> we all know that. And I'm sure she's had the same way. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I won, but your face doesn't make you feel like I won. Right. Yeah, so it's like, that, yeah. you know, and these, these are people, you know, they were just to, as you're up, like we're put, we're working on people. Our clients are people we're working on. Yeah, they feel this energy. Sure, you know when you walk into a place. Uh-huh. You know, you walk into somebody and they just had a big fight in their family. You feel it, right? right. So it's like, you know, uh, not. I'm not sure if there's a shock crowd. People they don't like to see the dentist already, right? So right, right. we have to put on this Broadway show nobody wants to see and nobody wants to be there on our best days. So you know, it's tough. You can't let that stuff creep in. Um, and uh, there's no uh, there's no place you can really retreat. Like here here at the uh, you know the Mon- Montgomery Law Firm, everyone has their own offices, and people can go and shut doors, and they can go and work on other projects. It's like right. you know, we, you and I have been to many meals together. Dentistry is very similar. It's all on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're at a restaurant. It's all happening there. Yeah. There's yeah. no there's no place to retreat to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point, Paul. So we'll have to well, actually we'll have to dig into some of these uh, a future one, but these are great. Uh, Great tips for our, our listeners, Rob. And just to kind of review, we have, uh, you know, the non-compete, uh, the non-compete, and it doesn't matter whether it's enforceable or not. Right. I think that's key. Uh, the daily minimum, uh, indemnification, uh, are doing things that make sense, best practices with mm-hmm. the, the pumping. Mm-hmm. Anything else on your mind, Rob, to uh, add in? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this. This is kind of a sort of a quasi legal quasi common sense point which turns out on my top 10 list is number one okay right? gotcha uh, i think at the time i did this i was probably particularly passionate about this <laughs> this issue but uh i think 
you know, this is a contract, you know, and I say, this is a contract and damn it, it's important, yeah. right? Uh, and, and people that have heard me speak, um, you know, the Einstein Residency Group, yeah. for one, yeah. have probably heard me speak, well, yeah. a whole lot of times, right, Paul? Uh, but anybody that's heard me speak is a young dentist uh, crowd and, and is uh, has heard me say that these are agreements and they are to be taken seriously, right. you know? And I think what young associates need to be mindful of is that the playing field is changing this is a different you're now entering a different space in your life right. you know so you've probably made it to this point without ever signing a serious contract when i say a serious contract i mean one that's going to have a significant impact the language in the agreement having a significant yeah. impact on your your livelihood and, and your future and one that is negotiable and one that has a lot of variables uh you know up into this point you've signed apartment leases in college or in 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 dental school you may have signed a lease to buy your car you know these are agreements that you know and maybe the the apartment lease you want to be a little more careful about but there are things that really you can't negotiate that much they're form agreements nobody walks into the the subaru dealer to to sign this the the lease for the subaru and and tells the the financing manager like yes this is all pretty good but in paragraph eight i'd like to make some changes (laughs) to my lease agreement they're like what you know get out of here you jackass you know but uh, when it comes to employment agreements, there are a lot of different things that you have to be aware of. And this is like, you're a grown up now, you know, totally. and what was sort of like, okay, and you kind of roll along on autopilot when it comes to agreements up into this stage of your life. Now, you know, you've entered a new place and, and what you, what these agreements say matters. They can be, uh, impactful to, to how and where, you will be able to yeah. earn a livelihood. And, you know, people have spent a lot of time uh, in going through college and dental school, a lot of money. You know, you've taken exams to get the license to be able to practice this yeah. profession. And you have to take that seriously. Right. And this is totally all agree. about, you know, this is the manifestation of that. And uh, you just have to be careful, you have to be aware. And, and realize that, you know, this this matters. You know, we do see people that come to us after the fact and they've signed bad agreements that they sometimes they don't even read them, yeah. which is just nuts. Right. You know, and we see the the aftermath of that and, and the impact that it has on their ability to buy a practice or do a startup or become a partner or take another job. Uh, and they just had no idea when they when they signed this agreement. And and um, so really, you know, uh, it's it's awareness, contractual awareness is, you know, like we, we've coined I the mean, phrase. You, you, you've just put things so well there. And I would just add that, you know, this is the thing that dictates your livelihood and paying off your debt and pay. You know, one of the things, don't pass go without having a dental-focused attorney look at your agreement. Don't pass go without having a dental-focused attorney look at your agreement. Because this is why, Robin, I share this all the time. There's no downside. If I came to you with an agreement and say, hey, Rob, can you look this over? And you say, you know what, Paul, this is a good agreement. I'd tell them to change the restrictive covenant. But if they don't, I'd still probably do it. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. a good agreement. And you're, I, I do this a lot. This is a good agreement. That's well worth, I'm just picking a number of $1,000. I know fees could be different. That's well worth $1,000, well worth. You now are confident in this job. But what's even more is 
I bring your agreement and say, there are 14 things wrong with this thing, and this is just ju- so many red flags, Paul. Right. And that's why there's no downside to running things by trusted advisors. I mean, yeah. it's just like we talk about, be purposeful. It's, you know, people come to the both of us and want us to unwind something or fix a dish that's broken. You can't. You right. know, you have to prevent it from breaking in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I just think that our lack of, and we talk at a podcast, this is the things they don't teach you in dental school. The first thing, this is some of the first things they should teach you in dental school because it dictates your whole career. They should be infusing this along with your clinical care. So, yeah, uh, a perfect wrap up. Well, you know, though, but it also applies to the practice owner, too. Oh, yeah. So, for sure. you know, the practice owner should want the associate to go take that agreement yes. to to a lawyer totally so that they know what they're signing themselves up for. If if you have as a practice owner, there are things in that agreement that you feel strongly about that you you these are the rules of the road. This is these are the conditions of this employment. You want that associate to embrace them and understand yeah. what the expectations are. And if they stand in front of you, you hand them a 10-page agreement and they sign it on the spot and they didn't read it, that's not good. Yes, I totally you know? agree. And yeah. Because, again, this is like setting up you know, the situation for a problem down the road. You want them to agree to, to, to read it. You want them to understand what they're signing themselves up for. Because if, it's, if they're not happy with that, they don't want to do it, it doesn't matter that it says in the agreement that they signed, you now have a problem. Very, right? very, and, very and we're sure. trying to avoid problems right. here. Like that, that's, yes. that's the recurring <laughs> thing, yes. right? avoid problems at all costs you know and so with that be reasonable with the amount of time that you give an associate to get a lawyer and to review it you know you can't say hey it's wednesday and i want this thing back on friday no no, you are a jackass if you do yeah. that, you know, and you are asking for problems. You know, is, is the game here to try to get them, to hoodwink them, to sign up, you know, or uh, is it to enter into a stable, you know, relationship for the foreseeable future? And, and it, as it was like, it's just saying to the, say to, if you're an associate on uh, some of these dentist dates looking to, looking to work at this office and you like it, say, is there a contract that I could run by my dental focused attorney? See what they say. Yeah. And they, some might say, this is my first associate. How do I get one to do that? And maybe right. they, you have to help them. I've, I've helped both. Some will say, oh yeah, we have the standard agreement. Everybody signs it. Red flag. Off no that. such but thing. Maybe, right? Yeah, but maybe mm-hmm. they run by you and it is a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I might accidentally say, you know, it's our standard associate agreement, but I've had you guys do good ones. And if they brought it to attorney and say, this makes sense. So, right. you know, bring that by the attorney. Or if they say, you know, you don't need a contract at all, that's another red flag. So these questions are stuff you need to ask. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and if somebody, if an employer says, no, you can't have the agreement reviewed, that's a huge red flag. Yeah, you just know, don't right, take the right job. The bat, no, there's, a, there's yeah. a problem there, you yeah. know, and that's, that, that falls under the heading of, you know, unreasonable people don't become reasonable over time. That is not a place that you would want to work. It's your overcommitment and, you know, the, the uh, classic uh, Kenny Rogers, hold them or fold them. You just got to go into it with that mindset. You can't go into, I'm committed to taking this job and I'm going to ignore the red flags or on the other side, associates, I know them, or I'm not committed to taking this. You got to go in play the game, see what makes sense and make the next best decision. Yeah. And so uh, on that note, you know, tis the season. We should have some yeah. sort of like, you know, like associate agreement season carol. Yes, that we'll we make could one do. for next time. Yeah, 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 we'll spare everybody. And Paul and I yeah, will be like yeah, yeah, singing yeah. and drinking, yeah, drinking yeah. our egg, eggnog yeah, right by I the like fireplace. That. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the season, tax season, <laughs> holiday season, associate season. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. 
If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.